This is Teeming with Ideas, the podcast that explores how people at work work together. I'm Carlos Valdez Depena, your host, and I spent decades working with teams as well as researching, writing, and speaking about collaboration. Over the years, I've met some brilliant people, academics, business leaders, managers, consultants, who share my passion for collaboration. In Teeming with Ideas, I'll be speaking with these experts who will share their thoughts, experiences, theories, and practices so that you can put them to work to make your work life richer and more rewarding. Enjoy. I am thrilled to have with me today Angela Mangiapane. You and I have known each other 18 years. Uh, I think we first yeah, met probably. when we were both working at Mars in the early 2000s and you came over from Mars IS. Yeah, yeah, which has now changed to becoming Mars Digital Technology. So you can see a whole different thing. Yes, yes it's a whole been different a, ball been... game. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit about you, your, where you come from. Yeah. So first of all, Carlos, I'm just thrilled to be here as well. Anything that I know has to do with teams and leadership, I'm speaking here to the right person. And so I want to thank you for all the support that you have given me during my time and career in this yeah. uh, 18 years. Just a little bit about me. First of all, I'm Canadian, born and bred in Canada. All right. Well, we won't hold that against you. (laughs) And I had a great opportunity to join Mars back in 1990, um, celebrating 30 years. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. And I didn't actually think I was going to be at Mars as long as I have been because I was planning to stay in Toronto pretty much the rest of my life. But Mars came along and then gave me this opportunity to work across various countries. So from Canada, moved to the U.S., had an opportunity to work in Latin America. um, And then after that, into the beautiful south of France. And then here back now into the U.S. My background is finance. Worked across many of the different areas within finance. Mars gave me an opportunity to work in other functions. So what brought me to the U.S. actually was a stint in IT world. That's where we, you and I met. And then I went over into the world of P&O, people in organization, HR. And then uh, dabbled a little bit in some other operational areas. And then as of four years ago, had the opportunity to head up what we call Mars Global Services, which externally would be called a global business services type of organization. So today you're sitting atop a fairly large organization, right? It's an organization that's made up about 3,200 associates, Mm -hmm. call our employees associates. We have a few, I'll call them towers or centers. So we do finance, HR, indirect procurement. There's the IT, which we call digital technologies. We do laboratories, and then then we also have a small insights team that does consumer insights. How long ago did you lead your first team? It was 1995. And the reason I remember that is we had a GM by the name of Brian Lausanne who came from the U.S., and he wanted to put in place a whole new area called demand planning, which was essentially what's the forecast. I had a small team made up of about four people, and it was new team. And to be honest with you, also a new concept, because at that time, it was something very different for us to have as a separate area on demand planning. We are still in the throes of this pandemic. You sit atop an IT organization, which I'm sure had a lot to do with holding the organization together as people mm-hmm. were actually forced apart physically. Mm-hmm. I would have to imagine there was it was a huge challenge to confront this and to rally your team, which covers a lot of areas, to execute together to do this. Can, can you tell a little bit about what, what that was like back in the March, March-April timeframe? How did that go? I would say that the attributes of what Mars is very good at is coming together during a time of a crisis. 
there was so much uncertainty. You know, we were already in one sense seeing it in January because, as you know, we have a hub site in China. They already were starting to experience some of these challenges, and then really it was in March where I would say it was of somewhat the dark days where we were seeing what was going on in Europe, and then we were starting to see things here in the U.S. I would say what was great, really starting even from the very senior level of the leadership team for Mars, was essentially saying, okay, what are the things that are urgent? And the clarity of purpose, first of all, came really out there, which is we got to make sure, first and foremost, we keep our associates safe. That was a constant theme of saying, how do we make sure our associates are safe? in an environment where we are seen as an essential service. So our food business, for example, we still want to make sure that, that people were able to access this. At that time, a lot of people were saying, we need to get food in our pantry because we don't know how, how long we're going to be in isolation. You know, if you think back in, in March when very little was known about how long this was going to last. And so for us, it was keeping our associates safe, keeping our plants running for our consumers. That was extremely important, particularly in the category of, of pet care and, and food. And then the leadership team being very clear as to, all right, let's, let's make sure that we empower those associates who have got to make sure that we keep connected and we keep the business going. And if you think about any business, and I'm sure that for the listeners, that it, whether you are in a large business or small business, cash becomes really critical at that point. Because one of the things that we're really proud of is that we were able to, um, no one's pay was impacted. We did not do any furloughs. We kept the business running. If I now go back to Mars Global Services, for us, it was certainly the uh, digital technologies team just did a brilliant job. If you imagine putting literally people in a period of essentially overnight into having 40,000 people accessing remotely. So tell me about the digital technologies team. Are those the folks responsible for the hardware and software that enable people to stay connected? Yeah, that's the infrastructure. That's the ones that basically now I can turn on my laptop at home. And I have access to all the systems that are there. And I have to say, I, I got to give them a lot of kudos in terms of downtime. You consider now the number of people that are coming in through their home Wi-Fi and keeping us up and running. Our performance metrics there are actually in the 99% range, which is really unbelievable. Impressive. Onboarding people in this time frame, we still have hired people, people that were already in the queue to come in. And then people that we've hired, our intern program, we actually still held our intern program, all virtual. So these great interns came in virtually, did their area virtually, and some of them have been offered jobs to come back next summer. So getting a laptop into your house, getting them with someone on the phone to say, okay, let's get you connected, was just phenomenal to me. And it just highlighted the paradigm of what was taking us so long before. We would be talking about going onto a platform for months and yet here we went to Microsoft Teams. It was a weekend. All this, well, we need to be very careful how we communicate to people. Let's maybe do a pilot to all of a sudden, given this sense of this crisis, always take advantage of a crisis, never let it go, is putting people onto this and accepting it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be some glitches, but it's okay because we're going to keep, we're going to keep going. And so that was a big part of it. It was okay if things weren't perfect from the very top. Grant Reed as the CEO, really empowering the people that have to get it done. And that's certainly, you know, within my area, it was empowering my, my team of, okay, who needs to get it done and, and, and letting them go with it. 
By the way, you're the second person who has been on this podcast to talk about never wasting a good crisis. Here you are, the president of an organization, an enabling organization, mm -hmm. at a time when that organization has never been more important. That wasn't always true for you. You've worked your way up. You led your first team in 95. What made it possible for you to participate in this amazing feat of keeping mm -hmm. this massive organization running and connected and executing mm -hmm. and delivering along the way? But I want to know about your leadership journey and what you learned in particular about how to lead a team. I certainly don't profess to have all the answers. I think I'm still a work in progress. Wait, you don't have all the answers? <laughs> Why did I invite you on my podcast? Uh, and I would say my journey has been fraught with lots of successes as well as failures. I have to say that it's been the failures that have taught me the most because you, you then reflect because when you have, let's say, a success, you move on. You go, that's great. And you move on. When you have a failure, it does give you that moment to pause and say, okay, what am I going to learn from this? And I'm a big believer that this is all about learning, that it's not about an indication of, okay, let's go and bury your head in the sand. It's like, no, pick yourself up and we move on. But if I had to say a couple of things like in terms of what I've learned is really being clear about what you stand for and being very clear in the sense of purpose that you want for the team and for the organization that you're leading. Why are we here doing what we want to do, right? It's less about what I'm going to do. Like I didn't sit there and go, I'm now going to do the financial transactions for the business. It was, why am I here? Why is this organization called MGS here? What's it in service of for the greater good of the purpose of Mars? And then putting that back in. So starting with purpose for me was always important. So in 1995, you felt that sense of the importance of purpose? Or is that something you came to understand? I think that's along my journey. So if I think about when you're in the early stages of your career, because this is all about experiences. And so it's not about so much the level that you're at, but the experiences that you gain. So if I were to start today, going back to the role that I had, I would do things differently. would say, let's look at our purpose, right? But at that time, when you start and you're young, you very much are all looking about delivery. And so you look at what do we need to do? So you say, okay, listen up, folks. Here's our task, our objective. Here's what we need to do. You look less at, well, why am I even doing this? And what you miss then with your team as well as yourself is, hold on a minute, is what I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I may have missed the boat totally. And therefore, that's why always grounding yourself in the why. Why am I doing what I need to do? What's that purpose? Because then and what I've learned is that people then will become less dependent on you. What you don't want to do is create a team where everything then goes back to you to decide. You really don't want that you, because you want to be able to have an environment where people can grow, develop, feel they can be who they want to be and they can activate, figure out how, how to do it in the way that they believe will fit that purpose and will drive the objective. I'm a huge proponent of purpose and its power. It's part of creating a powerful group identity, something people can yeah. connect to at a gut mm -hmm. level. I had a moment of awakening around this. Do you recall a moment when a light bulb went off around mm -hmm. that idea of purpose? I don't think this was like somebody kind of gave me a smack on the, on the head and said, hey, it's now purpose, right? I, I think these are things where you start to collect over time and it builds and builds. If I had to give you an example of where an aha moment came for me was actually my time in Latin America. I had a just a bright group of PO folks who were managing each of their markets, right, with the GM. And these were professionals that had 
master's in psychology and organizational design. Here I am. I got a finance degree. Uh, so this was a, an HR group, P&O and Marspeak. This was a, an HR group and they were down in Latin America and I was leading this group. And initially when I connected with them, it got to be very much around, okay, here's what the businesses or the markets are expected to do in growth and earnings and so forth. Each one started commenting about the kind of talent and capability that they needed. And yet they were all operating very much in this mode of, you don't understand, my market is different. So everybody was saying how different the Colombia market was versus Argentina versus Brazil. Finally, we said, well, wait a minute, so let's take a step back. What do we want Mars to be? So we kind of did a little bit of a dreaming exercise where we said, what could Mars look like in 10 years time? Was that to dream about the function or was that to dream about the whole business down in Latin America? It was actually to dream about the business of Latin America in terms of what was it going to need? Because everybody kept saying that we were different. Everybody kept saying we need to grow. And then one of the things that always struck me when I first joined Mars is somebody telling me that Forrest, Forrest Senior. Forrest Senior is Forrest Mars. Had actually talked about the two most important assets in a business, the brands and its people. And so bringing that back to talking about growing this business and recalling that sentence, which was our brands and our people, what kind of talent will we need? Then the dreaming started with, well, actually in 10 years time, what could the dream of Latin America be? And remember this was 2007 where there was a lot about the brick. So the brick is Brazil, Russia, Russia India, and China. India and China, yeah. The growth of, of Latin America, Brazil was seen as on fire. And, and so we dreamt, wow, Latin America to double its size. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because these were some of the aspirations, right, that we had. What does that mean for the talent? Is this talent going to be part of the Mars Incorporated leadership teams? And all of a sudden, I could see the energy in the room went from my market to like, how might we look if we actually are anticipating and saying, how do I grow my Latino talent to be part of the Mars top 200 one day? Because Latin America is going to be a big part of that portfolio. That is a fabulous, mm. fabulous story, Angela. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I think that notion of um, dreaming together is very potent. And you use that language with these very pragmatic Mars folks, because Mars people are really very feet on the ground. Right. Let's keep right. it practical. You have to respect the culture of the area. So this worked, I also think, because of the culture that I saw there. So I mean, I'll tell you, story when I just first got there. I introduced myself as Angela Manjapane. I have finance background. I'm now entering this world of HR and I'm here in Latin America, period. And then we went to the next person. The next person said, well, first of all, let me introduce to you my beautiful family. I have a beautiful wife and two wonderful children. And this is, this, they are my heart. They are my life. And I'm thinking, gee, I got two kids and a husband too. And I like said nothing, right? <laughs> so what Latin America taught me was you have to bring your whole self to work. You cannot just click. And now I don't even think about my family and my other life, you know, my life outside of work. I go into work mode. You bring everything because you don't click it and shut it off, right? You do your family during the day. Things are happening, right? It's life. Life is messy. And you're going to bring that mess in with you. In just the acceptance that they had of me and then in just getting to know them. And it's not something I did right at the beginning. I felt there was something that was missing. The group yeah. also felt there was something that was missing. So it was like there was that moment. It was probably just right. It was ripe to take. And I know that they're very much of the heart, the corazón, right? They always are about the heart. And so this was a great way. To your point about do I use this language all the time? 
you're right. You really need to look at and determine. Leading is about getting people to do things that they did not think was possible. So it's, you're bringing change. Am I here to lead or am I here to manage? Manage is about getting your stuff done. It's providing that consistency of performance management. So if I think about even how I'm, I'm leading my team right now, we always say we need to have brilliant execution and we should never be embarrassed by that. That's managing. But we also need to start looking at the tomorrow. And what do we need to start building for the tomorrow, which is where you can do the dreaming. We're going through that exercise right now with the team. Well, we started building a lot more credibility because when I first took over this role, we had a lot of challenges. It was a reset. We had many challenges, the way IT was perceived, the way finance was perceived. We were just kicking off the HR side. There were a lot of naysayers. I mean, there were a lot of people going, ah, don't really get this. And so there it was very clear. We needed to start delivering, do what we said we were going to do. Now we're at a stage where we have more and more credibility. And so now working with my team to say, where do we want to dream going forward? So we went through a dreaming exercise again. And it was amazing when you unleash that. The purpose is not about making money. That comes. It was about what can be the contribution, what we're doing from a human capital perspective? How do we increase the capability of our associates as the world is quickly, quickly changing and we need to increase our competency of, let's say, analytics as an example. Let's think about purpose slash dreaming as a, uh, a tool in somebody's team toolkit. Mm-hmm. Would a more frontline team like the ones you probably led in the middle to late 90s, would they still benefit from something as lofty as dreaming together? Or is it just for big leadership teams? I think we got to get rid of the hierarchy kind of concept that we have here that says, if you're a leader, then this is what you do. You think about dreams. And if you're on the line or you're a sales guy going out there to visit the customer, you're not allowed to dream. I, I think this to me is one where, again, if I just look at what I've learned, if I were now back at that time, it is important to dream because with dreaming unleashes your own potential. And I have an example of that. Lately, we've been doing a, a pilot. We didn't take the typical, this section of folks from, uh, from the organization. We did a bit of a cross diagonal cut. So we were able to get people that were on the front line of sales, of finance, or let's, we took our accounts receivables person. And then we also had the overall VP of sales. Now, while we didn't go through a dreaming exercise, we did state, what would it look like if we had zero defects in our order flow? So I guess that is, in one sense, it's a dream, right? And seeing the reaction of the AR folks or of that salesperson who actually has to go in and speak to the accountants was just great to see because they actually felt they can come up with a solution. They weren't waiting for me or for the VP of sales. All we did is we opened up the sandbox or we gave them the environment. It was okay. How many people were involved in this exercise? About 20 people. Every two weeks, we have kind of a one hour, I call it a stand-up meeting because now we have 20 people and everybody just comes in and talks about, here's what we've done. And I was actually talking to my other colleague because he and I basically had kicked this off. And we said, you know, it's getting to a point where actually, I don't even think we need to be in it anymore because we start up, we just say, hey, good afternoon, everybody. Great for coming. What's on the agenda? And they're managing the agenda. They're doing the updates. They figure out what the next steps are. And I said to Joe, I'm feeling like I'm kind of in the way. <laughs> I should just get out of the way now. <laughs> we seeded it. The green shoots came out and we're just ensuring that we keep watering and let them handle it. 
So let me be sure I understand. And yeah. this is a slice diagonally. So you've got people, yeah. sort of frontline folks, as well as more senior folks. Yeah, like the AR clerk, right? So you've got a clerk in there and you've got a director, I imagine. Director. And we even had at one point, yeah, the director of sales who reports into the VP okay. of sales at, at Mars Wrigley attends quite diligently. Are these building towards some grander output, like a big report that gets issued at the end of the year? Or is it really just about what comes out in the moment? It's what comes out in the moment. We, we set up sprints. What needs to get done over six weeks period of time? We went through the data and we said, why do we have so many imperfect orders? Ideally, what you want to do is you send out the invoice, you ship the customer, customer pays you and you're done, right? Instead, we had an activity that was taking over 20 people involved and at times six months to clear, right? Lots of waste in the system, right? So this was us plus the markets talking to the actual customer. This was selling a Snickers bar to a customer. And so we got involved with the folks in the market because we take it on from invoice to cash. And there's the other part that takes the order. And there's also getting the customer and, and ensuring that everything is fine. In reviewing this activity set, people are always talking about it costs so much. Why is it costing so much money to process this? And everybody was basically saying, well, let's just automate. That was the answer to everything. Let's just automate it. And I'm like, great. We're going to automate a mess. She still have a mess. Let's all just automate a mess. So then we said, no, no, let's, let's eliminate it. Now, why do we even have these disputes with the customer? Because that's what it is. It's a, it's a dispute, right? The customer is saying, I only owe you $8. And we're saying, no, no, you owe me 100 And so always keeping that in the front of mind is what made people go, okay, well, what is my involvement then? It goes back even to purpose, right? It's like, what's my involvement in ensuring that is flawless? You've got this cross-sectional team that has grown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And its job is to help solve that problem of order to cash. Every two weeks, this group gets together and talks about things they've done that have cut down the time and That's cost. Right. They're also talking about new ideas. People are testing That's out right. theories and That's ideas. Right. That's right. And it come from anybody in that team. And it sounds like it's an energized group, even without your leadership. At the beginning, Joe and I needed to be there. Now, my sense is that people are really getting excited. Because why am I doing what I'm doing? Initially, people would have said, okay, I just transact something. Now they're actually understanding that what I do has an impact with my customer, let's say a Walmart or Kroger. I can see, I can make a difference in making you know, my life easier, my associate who's dealing with the customer easier. But more importantly, I just see that I don't want to be with the waste because I can then redirect my energy towards actually growing the business, giving them an idea that helps them add value to that customer relationship. So it's just a different way of looking at it. Because if I ask people, can we map out the process? Right. Of how to do order to cash, it'd be like watching paint dry on the wall. Yeah. I love process, but I got to tell you, it's hard to get people motivated by it. But all of a sudden you say, I want to have zero dispute with Walmart. What can you do to figure it out? And you get everybody who's associated with Walmart. I'm excited by what you're talking about because mm -hmm. I think what it offers people is a super simple way to think about bringing their teams together and centering them around a concept or a notion that's important to everybody. That's right, right, right. And what I'm also hoping to do out of this, whether it's in work or about what's just going on currently in our society, is that it's easy for someone to feel, I'm just a small cog in this big wheel. And yeah. what is my action going to do that's going to make a difference? And I think if somehow, even just with this one exercise, we can get that team to believe that everybody on that team is relevant, I can make a difference, right? Because people want to feel that they actually are relevant. 
I have done something that is actually going to be of value. Angela, I think it's time for us to wrap up this conversation, which went a direction I never imagined. Sometimes I struggle with helping teams understand why having a shared purpose is useful, is necessary mm -hmm. to create productive collaboration. You've put it so simply. You have inspired me with these stories. I want to say a huge thank you for the way you're thinking about this, for what you've brought to the teams you've led, and for what you're bringing to our listeners today. Oh, well, thank you very much, Carlos. You were one of the many seeds that I have had, but a very important one, all the coaching and mentorship that, that you've given me. We've been speaking today with Angela Mangiapane, who's the president of Mars Global Services. And until the next time, everybody, keep collaborating. And keep dreaming. Hi, I'm Janet Aldrich, producer and director of Teaming with Ideas. Thanks for listening. And thank you, John Wallerich, for the music. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, review, and share. Want more? Visit Carlos's blog, Teaming with Ideas, at carlosvdapena.com. Questions? Click on the Contact Carlos button, and we'll answer promptly. To be interviewed on the Teaming with Ideas podcast, visit carlosvdapena.com forward slash podcast dash contact and complete the questionnaire. Thanks again for listening and keep on teaming with ideas.